What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, and as always, I'm joined by a couple of guys with worse food takes than the guy who thought giving Clemson McDonald's on their White House visit was a good idea. Of course, I'm talking about the two J's, Joey, uh, Jared, gentlemen. How we living? Hey, How's life? Hey, hey, hey. First of all, this is not me with the terrible food take, so don't include me in that, please and thank you. Oh, okay. Um, uh, guys, listen. <laughs> listen. Chicken, you know, the, no, 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 Okay. Oh, here okay. we go. Chicken parm is definitely top five all-time food. I don't want it. We're not debating this. Yeah. We're not. Yeah, we. Yeah, no, listen, listen. <laughs> there's no debate. That's, that's how, well, there, that's how it is. There's a debate. No, 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 no. There's no debate. We just debated it for about 20 minutes before we had record. So <laughs> certainly there's a debate. We don't need to hash the whole thing out again. Yeah. I mean, I just want to say that it's impossible for a food with marinara <laughs> sauce on it to be top five or even in the discussion. I concur. But, um, I concur. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fuck you guys. <laughs> um, today we got a packed show. Um, you know, we've got a lot to discuss the season is almost here in fact uh, we've got this show and then one more show and then we are going full in season we'll be talking about DraftKings every single week good stuff i'm getting really excited um yeah only, only two more shows till we do our official week one breakdown so we're yeah. almost there boys the money the money is almost i can almost taste it dude i could just i feel the money in the in the distance and and my, my hands are ready, but uh, on today's show, we're going to be talking about uh, third-tier wide receivers in terms of ADP, not necessarily talent, but we're going to look at the guys who are going in, you know, the fourth and fifth rounds uh, at wide receiver, because some of these guys um, could potentially win you your league, you know, they, these might be guys who ascend to that top tier, um, and it's, there's a lot of reasons to like all of them, and there's some reasons not to like them, so uh, we'll have a nice discussion on that. A bit later in the show, we will talk about uh, DraftKings. We're going to take a look back. You know, it's been two weeks since we did our first look at DraftKings. We're going to pop back in, see see what's changed, what, what looks different after two weeks of preseason action. Uh, and then finally, we will close out the show as we have been every show lately uh, by giving a take from Twitter, a nice Twitter take. Uh, we've got a good one on deck today. Before we get into any of that stuff, Joey, do you want to tell people how they can support the podcast? You can support the podcast by following us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. You can also watch our video podcast on YouTube at the DFS Dose. And then you can also listen on any type of phone, iPhone, Android, you know, whatever you got on iTunes at the DFS Dose and Spotify at the DFS Dose. Um, go ahead, like, subscribe, share, leave a comment, leave a review, five stars. You, you already know what's up. All right. Well said. Uh, let's get right into this wide receiver discussion. So um, we're looking at, uh, if you look at Fantasy Pro's best ball ADP, and the reason that I always talk about best ball is because I think it has the most accurate ADP at any given time during the offseason because that's where the most drafts are happening. Uh, you know, you can look at other sites, but those are incorporating mock drafts into their ADP, you know, people who only draft the first few rounds and then leave, and it just it's all auto-picks. So I think that, you know, uh, you know, best ball people have real money. These are the most, uh, you know, solid and, and realistic ADPs um, at any given time throughout the offseason. So we're looking at 
guys who are in the third tier. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, obviously we've got the first tier, the guys who are going in the first round, the, the Odells, the Hopkins, the Adams of the world. Then we've got a second tier, uh, you know, guys like Mike Evans, guys like Antonio Brown, guys like Adam Thielen, uh, T.Y. Hilton, if Andrew Luck is healthy. Um, and then, you know, we, there's some other guys in that tier, you know, that you could argue are potentially in this tier that we're discussing, guys like Steph Diggs, uh, Amari Cooper, if his knee doesn't improve. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm not going to include them because I think that they're just a little bit more established than, than some of these guys. Uh, so they're also pretty consistently going in the third round. So I really wanted to talk about guys that you can get from the fourth to sixth round, um, you know, sixth round if they fall, mostly fourth, fifth round guys. Um, and so we're going to start there today. And uh, we could keep this first one brief. Chris Godwin, um, you know, he's he's a guy we've talked about quite a bit, and he's been talked about on virtually probably every podcast that anybody's yeah. ever listened to this offseason. So, I mean, the reasons to love him are, are pretty, uh, you know, well well known at this point. You know, all the all the targets that have left the Bucks offense, 179 targets gone from last year between D-Jax and Adam Humphreys and a, a, a pass-happy new Coach and Bruce Arians. Um, and no running guys, backs. Guys, give your thoughts on Godwin. No running backs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, what do we think about uh, Chris Godwin? You mentioned when you first started that these are guys that could potentially uh, jump up into the top tier. And I think out of everybody <clears throat> in these uh, four to six rounds, I think he's the most likely guy to jump up to that top tier. Ah. Mm. Uh. I think the next guy is, but I agree that he's up there. But he is up there. I, I guess. I guess the thing with Godwin that's most interesting is: Do you think that he could theoretically be a top twelve wide receiver at the same time as Mike Evans? Uh, you know, right now Mike Evans is dealing with an injury. Um, he is not going to play in preseason week three with the rest of the Bucks starters. But um, you know, assuming that they're both back on the field for week one for the start of the season, mm-hmm. I mean, what does Chris Godwin, is his ceiling limited by Evans or, or not so much? Because, you know, I was thinking that if Evans were to actually miss any real season time, I think that would be a downgrade for Chris Godwin because he goes yeah. from being the second guy and the slot guy to being the wide, you know, the wide receiver one. So I think that Evans' health is actually going to impact Chris Godwin uh, in a big way. I th- yeah, I think Evans being there definitely helps Godwin. Um obviously because opposing defenses are going to focus on Mike Evans as the number one option in that offense, and that will definitely help Godwin, and I think that's a reason why um, everybody's high in him to go along with uh, all the coaching changes and all the players leaving. But I think all in all, I think Evans being there will definitely be an upgrade for Godwin over a downgrade. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree completely with all that. I think, I don't know, I think Godwin's going to break a – He's going to break 1,010 touchdowns this year, honestly, in my personal opinion. I think he's a steal where he's going. There's a good chance. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, I think that's a pretty good bet as well. Um, Especially because they want to see what they got with uh, Jameis. So he's just going to chuck it all year. Yeah, I mean, that's the Bruce Arians MO. Um, the only thing with Chris Godwin that I don't think is getting discussed enough out there is that he did fumble four times last year. Um, you know, it's kind of a lot for a wide receiver, especially one who only had 59 receptions. Um, I think it's kind of going under the radar because only one of those fumbles was recovered by the other team. He got kind of lucky with a, a 25% or a 75% recovery rate, I should say. But um, 
you know, I think that's something to to keep an eye on. Just make sure that Godwin can can hold on to the ball. Um, yeah. You know, being a full time wide receiver, full you know, playing all the snaps. Um, yeah. But uh, Jared, you mentioned that you think the guy under Chris Godwin uh, in this list has a better chance to enter that sort of top tier, and that's uh, Kenny Galladay. So, what are you thinking about Galladay here? Uh, I love Galladay. He's he's a big bodied big body guy, and you could like. I mean, he, he's been the guy Stafford's been looking for since Calvin's been gone because Stafford sucks and he needs one of those type of guys. But especially if Marvin Jones gets hurt again or anything like that, he they got rid of Theo, so that's a couple more targets that, are, that have been open. They traded Tate, so there's just, I don't know how many targets Tate had, but that's just a whole bunch of targets that are out there for anyone to grab. I think Galladay is going to beat the, what do you have, 1,000 last year. He'll probably touch 1,200, eight, nine touchdowns this year. Yeah, I think he's um, going to break you know, I, out. I think that's a pretty good projection. Um, so, so Tate, in the seven games that he played, he's leaving behind 69 targets, uh, 44 receptions he had in, in those seven games with the Lions last year. Um, you know, they added some guys like Danny Amendola to play the slot. I don't really think that's going to be much of an impact. They added uh, Jermaine Curse to sort of help as well, and now he's out with a broken leg. So yeah. it's pretty much going to be, you know, uh, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, and I think that they probably won't play too many three wide receiver uh, looks because they're going to be so run heavy. They'll have two tight, end, uh, tight ends quite a bit, trying to run quite a bit. So I guess the only thing with Galladay that's concerning, I think the talent is very clear, but he only had five touchdowns uh, last year. Um, you know, a lot of these guys on the list are, are double-digit touchdown guys, guys who we can expect to have eight to 11 t- uh, touchdowns. And, I mean, Galladay, he profiles as that guy. Like you said, he's a big-body, prototypical wide receiver one. It's just a matter of is he actually going to, you know, sort of regress positively uh, towards the mean. What do you think about Galladay, Joey? Um, I definitely don't hate Galladay. Um, I, I think, I think, uh, your argument about like the uh, more targets are opening up. I, I agree with that, but also like we've talked about how carry on Johnson is going to become a bell cow running back this year and the Lions want to focus on running the ball more. So I kind of, uh, take that in con- into consideration when, uh, you know, if I have to think about drafting Galladay, like <clears throat> if they're going to lean more run heavy, I think that'll impact him and the Lions receivers um, more than before. And I think people are disregarding Marvin Jones. I know he's not going in the fourth and sixth round, but honestly, I like Marvin Jones in the ninth round over Kenny Galladay in the fourth. Uh, I agree hot with take. that, actually. I mean, or is I, mean it I agree with that is total. I don't know. I mean, I think it might be. I think it might be. But, I mean, you know, people also have to realize that, you know, Marvin missed seven games last year. Yeah. And, and like like Jared mentioned, you know, Tate got traded. So, you know, Galladay had more opportunity. I mean, Marvin Jones is going to be out there. He has a good connection with Stafford. He gets targeted in the red zone more yeah. than Kenny Galladay does. I so just, I just want to say um, one more thing. Um, I feel that. I will say that Kenny Galladay did run very bad on touchdowns last year. I think we have to throw that out there. He did run bad. I know yeah. he had a couple taken away because of penalties. I think it might have been two or three touchdowns taken away, and I know that just from oh, you know, watching. Oh, we played him a couple, of, we a played couple him, games. Yeah, a couple yeah. weeks. Yeah, and, I multiple do. times. And he got a bunch, like not a bunch, but like three, maybe four touchdowns taken away because of penalty. I know he had a long one, too. Like he had like a 60- or 70-yard touchdown catch that was 
unnullified because of a holding or something. So he did run bad in that department. That is a good point. Let's move on to another guy who I think is the uh, clear-cut wide receiver one on his team, also a run-heavy team. Um, you know, this is a guy who I've been wanting to talk about, and we just really haven't gotten the chance yet. He's one of my favorite players this offseason to target. I think he's one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL, and that's uh, Tyler Lockett. Um, you know, there's a there's a bunch to like about Tyler Lockett. Um, he's one of the most efficient wide receivers, basically, in NFL history. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, he had an 80% catch rate last year, one of only four players in the NFL. Um, you know, he had... 10 touchdowns, and he only had 70 targets. Now, that has happened seven times in NFL history. Uh, you know, four of the seven guys were tight ends, which makes a lot of sense because they're getting less targets and they're getting used only in the red zone. Um, you know, I just I think that Tyler Lockett is incredibly efficient. I think that Doug Baldwin is leaving behind quite a few targets. Um, you know, he's leaving since 2014 through 2017. Baldwin's targets were 98, 103, 125, 116, right? So, I mean, Baldwin has been in the slot primarily. Uh, that is basically where Tyler Lockett is kicking into. DK Metcalf right now, the, the second-round pick by the Seahawks, he's dealing with an injury. I just think that there's so much opportunity opening up for Tyler Lockett. We've we basically seen him be stagnant in his targets. He's never gone into a high target season. His career low is 66. His career high is 71. So he's always in that same range, you know, 60 to 70 targets. He's going to get that. Um, but he's just so efficient. I mean, we're talking like Michael Thomas efficient in terms of his catch rate. Um, you know, he created the most defensive pass interference yards in the league last year because he's uncoverable. He is such a good route runner. He's going to be a deep threat. He's going to be in the slot. And I think that if he gets over 100 targets, if he gets 100 to 120 targets this year, I think he's going to be a top 12, top 10 wide receiver. Um, and when you look at a lot of these guys, you know, Jameis Winston throwing to Godwin, Stafford to Galladay, you know, Goff to the Rams guys, I think Lockett also is attached to the best quarterback of this group. So um, I think that that's a, a boost for him as well. Um, big fan of Tyler Lockett this year. I, I will own him in most drafts, I think. <laughs> Uh, see, I, you know, that's a good argument. I will give you that. Okay. I just have, um, trouble thinking of him, you know, as a guy who will get over a hundred targets. I don't know if he's that player or not, but maybe that's because we haven't seen him get it because of Doug Baldwin and other guys that have been there while he's been there. But, you know, maybe I, I like him, but I don't, I, I don't like him in the, you know, fifth round personally no i mean i've been taking uh, him consistently in the fourth round in, in best ball i'm happy to do that at the end of the fourth round fourth round end of the fourth fifth round <clears throat> i don't know i think that's too high i don't i don't know i just have i just have a hard time with tyler lockett because i because like i think the narrative around him is that he's only a deep threat you know did you want it? That's true, but he's going to be in the – he's basically all camp been almost exclusively in the slot. Now, we already know he's a deep threat because that's what he's been for the majority of his career. But if he's expanding and he's going to be basically in Doug Baldwin's role and then kicking outside for deep deep shots as well, I mean, we're talking about, I think, somebody who could be like Doug Baldwin and be super efficient. And, and you know, he's never going to be in one of these offenses that's top five in pass attempts. Like, that's never what it's going to be. You know, that's not how the yeah. Seahawks play. But I just I just think that, you know, I, I don't know. I, I love Lockett. And I think that, 
you know, some of these other guys, you know, we're going to talk about the Rams guys. We're going to talk about Ridley, Mike Williams. You know, they're not even the wide receiver ones on their team. Yeah. I think that if you look at the Seahawks uh, wide receivers right now, you know, Metcalf is injured. Um, and besides that, they've got Jerron Brown, who basically washed out of Arizona, and they've got David Moore, who is, you know, a one-trick pony. So, I, I, you know, Lockett's so I, – I, Yeah, I, no. Nah, I'm not going to keep talking I about I agree it, with that, that there's really no other receivers in Seattle. But we already know they're going to focus on the run. Um, they're going to be run heavy. And, I mean, I like Lockett. Don't get me wrong. I like him. But I don't know if I could just hit that draft button at the end of the fourth round when there's some guys below him that you mentioned that we will get into shortly. I mean, he was one of the most consistent receivers in the league last year, fantasy-wise. Absolutely. He scored under 10 points twice. Yeah. That's it. How many times did he score over 20 if we have that number? Uh, One. Okay, his so high like, his highest games were 17, 18.2, 19.4, 19.5, and 19. So, so I mean yeah. So yeah, I mean so he didn't score over 20, but I mean you you yeah, you're happy games. with all those 18 more and than half games, his games you know are at mean? least 12 or over. Yeah, that's a good number. I mean yeah, yeah. he was very consistent. Um but. So I mean and then one of the games was at I mean against Sherman and then the other one was Chargers, so that means he had either he had Casey Hayward or Desmond King, who was actually really good last year. So yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'll take him there, hundred percent. But just okay. to um, um, say, like, just to get into these Rams receivers, would you rather have him Tyler Lockett over Cup? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Oh. I mean, I think I think Cooks and Lockett are really close, but I would have I would definitely rather have Lockett than the other two guys. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Cook, Cooks and Lockett's an interesting conversation, but let's just dive right into these guys. Um, you know, for the Rams, they're all going pretty much back to back to back in ADP. You could start looking at the end of the fourth, mid fourth, and all these guys are going to go. Cup is a little bit further behind right now, but I think as he continues to be healthy, that'll that'll rise. Um, you know, these guys balled out last year, especially Cooks and Woods. I mean, they played more games, but, you know, Cooks had 117 targets, 80 catches for 1,200 yards, five touchdowns. Woods had 86 catches for about 1,200 yards and six touchdowns. It's just like, what are, what are we talking about here? I mean, these guys are super consistent. We know what McVay's system does, um, and we know that Goff is going to be going to be throwing it. But do you have any concern that Cooks and Woods especially had their season numbers boosted by, by Cup? missing eight games you know cup would have been on pace i mean cup had six touchdowns which tied woods on the season you know he would have dominated touchdowns if he had been healthy for the entire year so i mean that's one reason why i think cup is potentially the best pick of this group because he's going the latest and he has the most touchdown upside uh granted you know cooks clearly has the most i I mean i shouldn't even say that i was going to say cooks has the most yardage upside but i guess not really since woods also had uh more than him last year so yeah. How are you guys separating these three? I mean, I think Cup is the best pick out of these three, too. Um, like you said, if you basically extrapolate those numbers over the course of the last eight games, he pretty much would have dominated them in every category, assuming that though, assuming that their stats uh, get lowered because he was still there. Um, so definitely I like Cup. Uh, 
out of the three, and then Cooks, and then Woods. But I love all three. And personally, I'm not saying this is right, I would take all three of them over Lockett as well. Oh, my Lord. What do you think, Jared? <clears throat> I mean... It's hard. I mean, I'm not a fan of golf, so I don't really want to take any of them over Lockett. But if I put them in order, I'm taking Cup first. Uh, I mean, the other two are really a toss-up. I mean, Cooks for the season-long upside, then Woods, yeah. then Woods for the safety, if you want to put it that yep. way. I uh, I agree with that. I think that that's a pretty good take. You know, Woods is going to be consistent. I just, you know, Cooks is going to have the highest weekly ceiling. You know, he's that guy who could get, yeah. you know, 150, 160 yards in, in a game because um, he's going to be going down the field deep. You know, Woods is going to be kind of that guy who's catching the, inter, you know, the intermediate yeah. rounds and uh, cups, cups the big slot and, uh, and the touchdown guy. So, I mean, I think that you could pretty much argue that you should take whichever one of them falls the furthest, and that's... Yeah. you know, cup in every draft right now because of the injury. So um, I think that all three of us yeah. are endorsing I think, cup here. I think See, if, we're, if we're looking at the Rams team in general and we're looking at the Todd Gurley injury, so they're going to, you know, decline his usage a little bit. And no matter the opinions on Goff, if he's a good quarterback or not, he's a very productive quarterback in the Rams system with Sean McVay, like I mentioned. So with that being said right. – we still have to value that these receivers are going to be very good next year because the Rams are still going to be in contention to play for a Super Bowl next year. I think that's a given. So I think <clears throat> I think we have to put a lot of stock into Cooks, Woods, and Cup. Like even though yeah, that's three receivers on the same offense, they showed last year that all three of them can be productive in fantasy. Um, with all of them healthy at the same time in that system. And that's with Todd Gurley when he was getting 25, 30 touches. So just something to think about. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, let's move on. Uh, I think we could talk about these next two guys in the same, in the same way because I think that they're pretty comparable. Um, maybe you guys disagree, but I think that Calvin Ridley and Mike Williams are both – the, uh, the clear-cut wide receiver twos on their team, they have guys ahead of them. Obviously, Ridley has Julio, Williams has Keenan. Um, you know, how do you view these guys? Uh, first, Mike Williams, who, um, you know, we talked earlier about how Lockett was one of the only, uh, one of only seven guys who had 10 touchdowns on 70 or less targets in a season. Mike Williams is also on that list. Last year, um, had 66 targets. He went for 43, 664, and 10 um, you know, now he's going to have to deal with the return of Hunter Henry, a guy that both of you are uh, pretty high on, and um, just sort of the uncertainty around Melvin Gordon, which could lead to more pass attempts in the red zone and, and inside the 10. So um, do you guys think that that is sustainable? Is Mike Williams' touchdown rate sustainable, and how does he compare, in your opinion, to the rest of the guys we've been talking about? 10 targets on six – or 10 touchdowns on 66 targets. Um Unsustainable. Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, say, I don't that's think the first that's a, thing I want to say. Yeah, that's not sustainable Def, at all. A fourth <laughs> of his catches were touchdowns. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, that's, that's crazy though. And he is second year player last year, so he's going into his third year. Um, I mean, I mean, <clears throat> I think that he could. Can he touch? T- 
can he touch 10 touchdowns again? I think so. But I think his target's going to go way up. Yes. yes. Because no Tyrell. No Mel. That's a big factor. No Melvin for God knows how long. If yeah. probably the whole season. Hunter Henry comes and back, but they don't have Gates. So it's not like. He might take There's away com- some of his. Yeah, he might take away some of his red zone targets, but. I mean, he's. I. I mean, he might not get ten touchdowns. But I. I. I think his floor is seven. Touchdowns, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um. I think he's gonna touch a thousand yards, if not low nine hundreds. I mean, I think his targets go up to. He'll probably be sitting right around where. Uh, probably where Godwin is at or Calvin Ridley, honestly, because Rivers without Melvin, Rivers is gonna sling it. Because Justin Jackson yep. can't carry this team. Uh, Eckler can't carry this team. Like, it's it's Rivers' season to win. I, I agree with that. And I, I what do you think about uh, Calvin Ridley's stat line from last year? Because I think that that's something that we could realistically see Mike Williams have, where, uh, again, he hits 10 touchdowns, but instead of doing it on 66 targets, he does it on, you know, what Ridley had last year, which was 92 targets. And he, he has... More catches, 64 for 821 and 10. I think that's a very realistic line to expect uh, Mike Williams to have. Yeah. I mean, you know, Melvin Gordon is the Chargers' red zone weapon. I mean, that's what he does. He catches touchdowns in the red zone. He rushes for touchdowns. I mean, he's done it for as long as he's been there. And I think that his his him being gone is a huge boost for both Williams and Henry, yeah. uh, personally. It definitely is a boost uh, to those guys in the Chargers, but um, I just don't know if I like Mike Williams in the sixth round, in the beginning of the sixth round, end of the fifth round, if we're projecting him to go under 1,000 yards. And, yeah, 10 touchdowns is a lot for a receiver, too, but I don't know if I feel comfortable taking him um, where he's going personally. He loses value in full point PPR as well yes. because he's he's not that guy. You know, Keenan is that guy yeah. on that team, and they'll they'll feed the ball to guys like Eckler in the passing game. Um, you know, there's there's definitely guys going after him who are gonna catch the ball a lot more. It's just the value of his his touchdown upside. Yeah. Um, how does he compare to Ridley for you guys? You know, Calvin Ridley had an incredible uh, uh, rookie year. You know, breaking out 64 receptions for 821 and 10. Um, you know, that being said, if you look at it, I'm pretty sure he had two separate games throughout the season where he had three touchdowns in a single game. Yep. So a lot of his touchdowns are highly condensed, um, you know, not, not consistent over the season. I could definitely see him regressing as a guy, especially um, I want to note that during the Falcons' second preseason game, he only played in three wide receiver sets when the starters were out there. It was Julio and Sanu on the outside. That's not yeah. going to stay there. So, it's not going to stay that way. Nah, they run a lot of three I, wide receiver. They do. They run. A lot uh, no, no. I, mean, I agree. I think. I mean, Ridley's better. Ridley's better. Yeah, than Yeah, I'm saying I mean, nobody. That. Nobody disagrees Ridley's with that. He's gonna play but... more than just three wide receiver sets. That's what I'm saying. That's, That's fair. What I'm saying. And we also have to remember the Julio drought last year, where he didn't yeah. score for how long? Right. It was like every week we're like, all right, this is a week. Play Julio. It was what eight weeks, nine weeks. That so it was it was something. Yeah, I think so. I think something so. crazy. But that one Calvin Ridley week, I had him that week. I think it was against. I think everybody had him. <laughs> yeah, I won a hundred percent. Everybody had him. Yeah, he yeah. scored like three yeah. touchdowns. But um, 
I'll take Calvin Ridley ten times over Mike Williams. Yeah. I 100%. love Calvin Ridley. I'm a big fan. Yeah. I think he's just a better player than Mike Williams, and like you said, especially in PPR, I think Calvin Ridley um, has more equity in the Falcons' passing game. Um, he could definitely get catches. I think his targets will go up, um, especially if we project the Falcons to have a good year. And uh, Matt Ryan was actually. I think really, we. I think we all think that as well. Matt Ryan right? was actually I mean, really we're all good pretty high on the Falcons. Too, so, um, if they improve mm-hmm. just a little bit, um, I think I think Ridley's a great pick. Okay, um, and, you know, I never want to project this, but I just think it's worth noting. I mean, I think if Julio Jones were to miss time, Calvin Ridley is a locked-in wide receiver one. 100%. If Keenan Allen were to miss time, I don't know that I think that Mike Williams is automatically going to be a wide receiver one on a weekly basis. I just, I think that they're different in that way. So, I mean, that's just uh, one thing that separates them, in my opinion. Yes, I agree. Um, Let's talk about a guy who, in this group, has... Up to this point in in all of these careers had the highest ceiling but has not done it in quite some time and that's uh alan robinson over in chicago um the real question with him and he's going uh behind everybody on this list um you know because i think of recency bias but i mean maybe maybe it's deserved but you know can alan robinson ever reach that 2015 form again where you know he was getting 14 touchdowns in a given year, and he was a clear-cut top-five wide receiver in the NFL. Now, I mean, yes, the obvious argument is Trubisky, but we have to keep in mind that he did this with Blake Bortles at quarterback. Um, well, Blake you know, Bortles in, in did back-to-back years, year. he Yeah, me, for whatever reason. I don't know how. Snap. He was actually really Yeah, good. but, it, well, it was all garbage time. I mean, like, not, but still, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess garbage time, yeah, but Blake Bortles still played really well that year, for what it's worth. Well, Trubisky has shown that he can have those huge weeks as well. I mean, not over the span of a season yet, but, I mean, he's he's won several people a million dollars on DraftKings last year. I would expect that he could do it again this year. But, I mean, what do you guys think generally of Allen Robinson? I think that, you know, in my opinion, I'm probably the high guy on him in this room. But uh, what do you guys think? <sighs> Allen not Robinson very, is tough. He's not tough. very high on him. It's just, like, I know you mentioned Trubisky, but I just – Oh my God, he sucks. He's so bad. I don't like, like you said, he's gonna have his weeks where he's really good and he can win people a million dollars. He did it what two or three times last year. Um, one week, three, one week, I think, one or week four maybe. The Patriots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I don't know if he can reach 2015 again. Now, or especially with Trubisky, I don't know. You know, if he had like I think a, the if thing he had that separates it is the targets. Then yes. Yeah, what a but, whiff but that's the, the thing is he's partner. done it though. He, he's he's done it though. You know, I mean he's he's had 151 targets and 14 touchdowns in a season and however many yards I, I want to say it was like 1600 or something, right? I mean, yeah, whatever it was, was that it year. Was 1500. Yeah. So I mean he's he's shown that he can do it. I mean you know it's still project projection for guys like Kenny Galladay and Chris Godwin and he's going you know solidly at the end of the fifth or sixth round later than these guys I think in terms of ADP I would rather have Robinson than than like Galladay you know a full round and a half later um, I don't know about personally I don't know about that I mean Allen Robinson had 55 catches last year on 94 targets um so that's about what 39 missed targets 
Um, don't know if I would blame that on him, more so Trubisky. But he also missed 13 games, or I'm sorry, he missed three games. He only yeah, played 13 true. games, so and one of those games he got injured in. So it's, that's realistically like 12 games worth of numbers right there. So if we give him his extra four games, he should go over 100 targets and um, probably wouldn't have got over a thousand yards with Trubisky. But like you said, I think upside wise, I kind of would prefer him over Galladay especially where they're going, but uh, Allen Robinson is definitely a tough pick in uh, drafts for me. All right. Um, we got one more guy on this list, and then we will move on to our uh, our look at DraftKings week one. Um, DJ Moore, he's actually going ahead of Allen Robinson, uh, right in the same spot as Calvin Ridley and Mike Williams. You know, Moore was a rookie last year, um, obviously on the Panthers, so he finished the season with 55 receptions for 788 yards and two touchdowns. Um, He started very, very slowly, but really picked it up the second half of the year. Um, You know, he was barely a factor, honestly, at at the beginning of the season, but from weeks uh, 11 on, he had eight or more targets in five out of the seven games. He had 172 yards uh, rushing, so he's sort of a, a dual threat guy. Um, I guess the concern, or not not concern, but I mean, there's so much hype right now. I, I don't know if I've even seen uh, a player be hyped as much as Curtis Samuel has been this offseason. I mean, they're legitimately saying that he might be the wide receiver one. He lights up camp every single day. Um, and, you know, just looking at the numbers, you know, Samuel compared to, to Moore, he only had, uh, what is it, three three games all year with eight or more targets compared to, to Moore who did it in five out of the last seven uh, games in the season. So, you know, Moore was more consistently targeted. But on the flip side, in terms of Samuel, Samuel also had two games with 11 and 13 targets respectively, and, uh, and Moore never had double-digit targets, not once in his rookie year. So, um, you know, clearly... You know, Cam loves Samuel. Samuel is entering, I think, what his, it's not his fourth year, is it? it's his third year. So, I mean, he's more experienced than DJ Moore. He's had more time with uh, with Cam. Do you think that Moore is the better pick who's going about three rounds ahead of Samuel? And how do you see Moore compared to these other guys? Um, I'm still, oh, my God, I don't know. Uh, I don't understand the hype on Curtis Samuel. Like, I don't know. I'm. Go- I I, I, it's not. It's not about what he's done. It's about as much as he can do. Because obviously, if we look at Samuel's numbers, it's not super impressive. You know, yeah. it's really more so projection that he's taking a leap and becoming a better player than we've seen him be. I don't think. I he's mean, whether you believe that or not, that's something else. He's not capable of being a wide receiver one in any offense. I will put that out there. So give me DJ Moore over Curtis Samuel. But I do like Curtis Samuel as uh, receiver two, receiver three. But not over DJ Moore, hundred percent no. Yeah. So DJ Moore is the last guy in this tier that I would take. Do you guys agree with that? I'd take DJ Moore over Allen Robinson and Mike Williams. Okay. Okay. I I could. That's fair. I could get on board with that. Maybe over Mike Williams, especially yeah. because at least he is you know has potential to be the wide receiver one on his team, where that's really not a factor with Williams. So. <clears throat> It's a fair point, fair point. What about you, Joey? Um, I think I would take DJ Moore over Mike Williams as well. Okay. But um, So let's wait. say uh, you guys are drafting what? at the 5-6 turn. Okay. What, which, which uh, if you could 
leave that leave that turn with two of these guys. Which two would you be most happy with? For me, it would be uh, uh, Lockett and Allen Robinson. I think. I mean, I'm not really including the Rams guys because they're going a little bit higher. Obviously, you know Lockett and Cooks, but at that point, you're talking about you know four or five turn. So five six turn. Um, if Calvin Ridley falls, give me him and uh, DJ Moore. God. <clears throat> All right, so so not not a Rob, not Mike Williams. Jesus. Um. Lockett. Oh my God, that is tough to pick from those four. That's like a toss up. Yeah. Uh, Ridley, I guess. Lockett and Ridley. Yeah. I mean, probably the best two quarterbacks of the group, so yeah. you can't really go wrong there. But like Galladay, it's hard to it's hard to pass on Galladay there. Yeah, if he falls. Um, but you know who I'm taking over all of them? Over all these receivers. Oh my god. Who? Take a guess. He just got reinstated. Oh no bias. God. No bias. No bias. All right, let, let me think. Who my just goodness. got reinstated to the NFL? Uh, who's somebody that Joey has had a raging uh, hard-on for for about five years running? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come yo, on, bro. I know, let's, yo, all right, let's get into it. I knew this had to happen. My guy, Josh Gordon. Please, stop it. Flash. Flash Gordon. Yeah. On scene. Reinstated. Immediately sent to the NFI list. <laughs> yeah, what's no. the problem? All right, all right. All right, let, let's talk about it. Joey, why – can you just answer this one question? Why is this time different? That's what I want to know because I understand it. Like, we, we all know the hype, but why is this the year that Josh Gordon is going to go over 41 receptions for the first time since 2013? Tell me. I'd love to know. You know, if if he doesn't get suspended, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's going to happen or not going to happen. Because um, there's obviously a good possibility that he gets suspended this year at some time. But if he doesn't, he makes the Patriots a totally different team. He makes Tom Brady a better quarterback, and I think he could be – one of the best receivers in the NFL if he doesn't get suspended. And I'm not saying that, you know, he's not going to. But, I mean, to. isn't that something that you have to take in, yes, into consideration, you though? have to take into consideration. You're, you're drafting him knowing that there's probably a 50-50 chance that he gets suspended sometime this year in the NFL. And, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets suspended, it, he's done for good. But, you know, that's just up to him, you know. Not to get too deep or anything, but he just has to recognize what he has, and you know, one more like he's a given. He's been given chance after chance after chance, and you know, this might be his last straw if anything happens. But you know, he's back. Yeah, but he's gonna be there for week one. The Patriots are gonna be rolling out a nice full receiving corpse, and it's gonna be fun to watch. And I'm taking Josh Gordon over everybody that was on our list of Tyler Lockett, Kenny Galladay, Calvin Ridley. All the Rams wide receivers. Give me Josh Gordon. I'll draft him in the second round. Oh my God! <laughs> What's so funny? 
Oh my god, bro. Okay, so the one thing the one good thing you could say about Josh Gordon compared to all these other guys is he has wide receiver one overall upside. He's done that before, right? He's been the overall fantasy football wide receiver one. The only caveat is that the time he did that, you know, Peyton Manning was the QB1 in the NFL, and Jamal Charles was the RB1 in, in the NFL. And you know who was wide receiver two right, right behind Gordon? Demarius Thomas, who's barely going to make the Patriots roster if he doesn't get cut or sent to IR. Like, <laughs> it's time to stop living in the past. Okay, it's 2019. We're not living and in Josh the past. Gordon, Last year, he was a very productive fantasy wide receiver. What can't you see about that? Yeah, for 10 games. <sighs> I'm not drafting a guy whose upside is 10 games in a season, right? Or, or you know, I mean, he played that one game with Cleveland, got traded. He was super slow in that first game, and then he was basically a full-time player for the Patriots. Okay, awesome. You know, if you extrapolate his numbers in those 11 games with the Patriots over over 16, he would have finished with about 100 targets, 58 receptions, just over 1,000 yards, and four touchdowns. That's That's good, but, I mean, I think that you know, you look at Lockett, you look at Galladay, you look at, you know, Godwin, um, you know, all of the Rams receivers. I think that they all have that upside of a thousand yards. DJ Moore, Allen Robinson, and and you know, I mean, we're talking about four touchdowns. You know, the the Patriots get down to the red zone. They're running Sony Michelle. They're throwing a, a, a you know a, a out route to James White. They're gonna maybe even look at Nikhil Harry, who's who's you know young and not gonna get suspended. You know. <laughs> Yeah, but we're also forgetting that Josh Gordon is going to get a bunch of uh, 45 and 50-yard touchdowns. Oh, is he? Right. Oh, duh. duh. Okay. What do you mean? Huh. Why wasn't he doing it last year? I think he had a couple, actually. Yeah, he had like three. <laughs> On pace for four, as I just said. I mean, it's, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, If he plays a know. full 16 games... 80 catches. Oh my god. 1400 yards, 10 touchdowns. Book but it. that's like saying if but Tyler Eifert plays 16 games or if Jordan Reed plays 16 games. It's <laughs> like, yeah, of course, but they're going in the 13th round because everybody knows that shit's not going to happen. Bro, do we re- <laughs> do we realize that Brady can't throw farther than 10 yards? Okay, let's calm that down. I know how I know how's Josh Gordon gonna average eighteen yards per catch again if Brady can't make it that far. I think that's a pretty uh valid okay. take as well. There. It's gonna have to be all yak because they're just gonna throw screen yak. screen passes mm. or little dump offs, quick uh, slants, quick out routes, okay. some trick plays. Trick plays you must demerit. not follow you, might. you must not follow Brady on IG. Okay. Go oh, give Tom Brady a follow on Instagram. You're listening yeah, to I this. saw him yesterday tweet that he's a good receiver and we should take him in PPR leagues. He might have more receptions than Josh Gordon this he year. He actually um, might he might have more fantasy points receiving than Josh Gordon has this year. <laughs> <laughs> if he has oh, that, boy. I don't even know. Is Josh, uh, you know, we can actually move on real quick to, to our next segment now that we've gotten uh, the Josh Gordon hype out of the way. You know, is Josh Gordon actually uh, on? DraftKings yet? Uh, I haven't no, checked. He's not. Or haven't noticed. He is not on DraftKings hmm. yet, but he will be. Is that because the Patriots are not on the main slate? So that's actually why. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's facts. Um, uh, cut, 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 cut. I'll be, I'll be interested to see where he where he ends up. But, Duh. Uh, let's just take a quick look real quick, boys. What do we think? Um, you know, it's been about three weeks since we 
finally got these prices released on DraftKings. Um, you know, what really stands out to you? You know, what has changed over the last two weeks of preseason action and all that stuff? What What's jumping off to you guys? I mean, uh, you know, taking a look back at big, this week one pricing on DraftKings. The big thing, which everybody is going to go to, is the Tony Pollard. That's been a pretty big, uh, you know, story. Zeke's not there Sorry, yet. Sorry, what was that? You told, oh, yeah, oh, Zeke, yeah, Tony Zeke's Pollard. Zeke's not there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, still having this contract dispute with uh, Jerry Jones. Tony Pollard, 4,500. Everybody's going to play him. Chalk. Oh, he would be He would be, He would would be. be stone chalk, 100%. Um, Question is, are you playing him if he's the week one starter? Uh, I don't know. In cash, probably, just because he's going to be like 90% owned. But I would. T- I, he would be a full fade for me in all GPPs because... Um, you know, I just think that there's so many. There's like, like ten to twenty running backs on it. Like, fifteen to twenty running backs. You could easily say I think have you know, the possibility to finish RB one in week one. Mm-hmm. You know, week one only, not for the season. But I mean, there's so many guys. Like, there's just so many. Um, I just I would totally fade a guy, any guy who's high chalk in week one when when nobody really knows anything. But um. Yeah, I mean, cash games, he would be probably a lock. I mean, he's been great in the preseason. He's been getting, you know, I think he had five receptions on that drive uh, with the Cowboys starters, plus, like, a ton of attempts. I mean, he'd be basically a bell cow for them. I don't think Alfred Morris would really be a factor whatsoever. But, I mean, we have no idea if he could hold up to that workload. Um, Does, what about what about you, Jared? What's standing out to you looking at this list of uh, DraftKings players? Well, there's absolutely no reason to not play Pollard if uh... – Zeke misses. If you do, you're an idiot. Would if you, you play if, him in GPP? No. Okay. Cash, you gotta play him. I don't play chalk. Right. I don't play chalk in GPP. Mm-hmm. Like ever, it's not really a point, especially in football. I think I right. think it's that's just silly, but, um, I mean, that's only. I'm not playing Balage. Um, my boy Darwin, Min Price. See how that shakes out the yeah. next couple of weeks. Yes, that is uh, that one definitely stood out to me. I mean, Darwin has looked really good um, in the preseason so far, and not just as a runner, but I mean, he's been handling blocks. He's been he's been just uh, you know looking really complete. And I mean, would it be crazy? I mean, we saw Week One a couple of years ago. We've already talked about this, but you know, Spencer Ware was supposed to start. He had been good the year before, just like Damian Williams is, and then Kareem Hunt goes for like 300 all-purpose yards and what, like three touchdowns in week one against the Patriots. I mean, it could happen. And this guy is 3K right now. I think he could potentially break the slate. Um, You know, in that same range, we see, I mean, Duke Johnson right now, he's 3,500. You know, this was pre-trade to Houston and DraftKings will most likely adjust his price on Monday, September 2nd, though the week of week one. So uh, we'll have to see where Duke goes. You know, I mean, if he only goes up a little bit, you know, 4 to 5K, I think Duke Johnson could potentially be in play as well, um, mm. you know, I on, mean, on Houston. In that low range, too, I would say Justin Jackson as well. Um, yep. 4K. Yep, and uh, if we're just looking Matt at some, Burrito, at some 4K, guys. You know, yeah. with, McKinnon, how much with is, McKinnon out of the picture. How much is Eckler? He probably went way up. No, uh, he's he's at four point or he, or he's at uh, five point five actually. 5. I mean they they, I mean that's still honestly really pretty good. But yeah, um, that's not bad. 
but yeah, I think they they were pretty much uh, preemptive with that one with the with the chance. Um, you know, Chris Carson is starting to look a little bit better. You know, with the potential of receiving work on DraftKings, that that's a huge boost for him. He's at home week one against a bad team in the Bengals, only fifty seven hundred. Yeah, I mean, you could play Carry on Johnson and Chris Carson both for under six k and get, just sail to the money. Get I think fifty touches. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, two. I mean, there's so so many good options at running back. Um, is there anything else that stands out to you at the other positions uh, as I mean, far as as you know, just, risers and fallers after two weeks? I just want to go back to you know the Lions. Uh, Marvin Jones is only four point eight k. He definitely will be overlooked, and like you mentioned, Cardinals uh, don't have their starting cornerbacks for Week One. Um, and if I, everybody's on Galladay could get some good ownership on Marvin Jones, but like you said, he's kind of sure. hurt. Um, but he's cheap, so kind of like him. And I like Marquise Lee, too, at 4.4, but he's also coming back from an injury, so probably won't go there. You know, I think, uh, you know, in terms of value-wide receivers, you know, Curtis Samuel, we talked about him. Even if he's not the wide receiver one for the Panthers, he's 4,200 at home against the Rams. That should be a high-scoring game. You know, Samuel, I'm sure he'll be super chalky yeah. just because of, you know, all the hype. But um, I could see him being a good cash game option at 4,200. Also, you know, this has been a guy that I've been a fan of all off uh, all off season. honestly. I think that he's been pretty overlooked, and that's Marquise Goodwin, who's 4K. And, you know, he played 100% of the snaps with Jimmy G. Um, you know, Dante Pettis did as well, and no other wide receivers uh, really even came close in San Francisco. So, you know, we already know just from Twitter and basic, you know, having a brain that that game is going to be incredibly highly owned San Francisco brain. at Tampa Bay. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I think I think Goodwin is a potential good bit of leverage, uh, especially if, you know, people start to hype Dante Pettis again, um, which it looks like we're going back in that direction. I mean, if Dante Pettis... You know, he's been on kind of the downward trend lately um, with his struggles being reported out of training camp. But he, like you said, he played all snaps with Jimmy G and was the um, opposite starting wide receiver of Goodwin. So um, Dante Pettis could have a good game, and he probably will, honestly. And he's only 5.4. So, I mean, it's 1,400 more than Goodwin, but I don't mind playing either of them week one, especially against the, the Bucks. you know. Yeah, uh, I feel that. And the last note that I want to make uh, is that, you know, we were just talking about all these mid-tier wide receivers. The majority of them on DraftKings are priced uh, from about 5.5K to 6K. You know, DJ Moore is at 5.5, Brandon Cooks is at 6.5, and everyone else is pretty much in between. Um, a couple guys that are lower, and, you know, we consider them to be in that tier. You know, Mike Williams, who we talked about, Again, great situation week one, especially if Melvin Gordon is out. He's only 5,300 at home against uh, the Colts. You know, if, if Luck plays, that game has a chance to be an overlooked shootout. I mean, if Luck doesn't play, I'll probably mostly avoid that game. And, uh, again, Calvin Ridley. I know, Joe, you've already talked about this game quite a bit, the uh, Atlanta and Minnesota game. Almost everybody in that game has been priced down, including Ridley here, who's yeah. down at 5,100. Um, and we already talked about, you know, three yeah. touchdown upside in any given week. I don't so know about those guys. I don't know about week one consensus. Obviously, we're still a couple weeks out, but that game is going to be a focus of mine, especially for the millionaire maker. Um, yeah. So Ridley. Uh, any closing notes uh, for either of you guys, or we good to move on to the last segment here? 
Good to move on to a nice little Twitter take, hot take coming in. Alrighty then, let's let's do it. This one, Twitter take, uh, comes from at FF Zinger. Um, and this young gentleman says, Is Joe Mixon over Carrion Johnson a hot take right now? I've been consistently seeing slash getting Mixon after Carrion in my latest drafts. Um, this is a simple one. Um, <laughs> you know, he's saying... Initially, he's asking, you know, is it a hot take to have Mixon over carry on? Well, no. No, it's not a hot take. Um, it's a bad take, but it's not a hot take. Um, it, it's, it's not hot because Mixon is, you know, being drafted ahead of carry on right now. Yes, they are going back to back, but Mixon has a higher ADP. So, uh, you know, obviously, no, it's not a hot take if it's the consensus. And, you know, as far as consistently seeing slash getting Mixon at, over carry on, yeah, I mean, I believe that that is something you're doing, but why? Why are you doing that? stop doing that it doesn't make sense um you know let's just talk about this because i think this is a decision it's an actionable decision that a lot of people are going to be making they're going to be looking at the end of the second round they'll have guys like you know marlon mack available they'll have guys like you know mixon and josh jacobs and aaron jones and carry on johnson um you know most of those guys actually going behind the two we're talking about so if you're looking at the end of that round two tier and you've got Joe Mixon and Carrion Johnson. Are either of you, uh, you know, in agreement here with FF Zinger? Would you take Mixon over Carrion? Hell no. <laughs> no, sir. Give me KJ Damn. over Mixon. But see, I'm a known Mixon hater, so. You are. You that are a known Mixon hater. Very known. This is. That's just like a clown. A clown take. Damn. Calling him a clown. I mean. I mean, is you know, it? No, you guys already know. You're. I mean, is, is it? it? What do you guys I mean, think? Uh, Let's be real. I think it is. It's okay. It's a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like you said, it's not a hot take, but it's a clown take. Joe Mixon can definitely have a better year than Carryon Johnson. Do I want but, him over him? No, I don't personally. But let's be honest, Joe Mixon can definitely have a better season than Carryon Johnson. Sure, sure. I, it's it's in the range of outcomes, and there there's you know I'll shoot my guy FF Zinger some bail, right? You know Mixon has at least done it. Okay, we can't say that about Carryon Johnson. Mixon has rushed for over 1,100 yards. He did it last year. He only did it in 14 games, and arguably he's going to be in a better scheme this year with Zach Taylor taking over. He's a more progressive guy, obviously, uh, than the Bengals have had in my lifetime. Um, and and you know Mixon is going to be in that situation. Um, you know, I think the biggest separator for these two guys, and this is the thing that makes me really think it's not a good take whatsoever, is the offensive line. Because the Bengals have potentially the worst offensive line situation in the league right now. They came into camp with a shaky line, and they've had nothing but bad luck. You know, they lost their starting guard to retirement. They lost their first-round pick, Jonah Williams, to an injury. And now Cordy Glenn, who they acquired from the, from the Bills a while back, is dealing with a concussion. He's been missing practices this week. Um, meanwhile, you know, the Lions have steadily improved their offensive line over the past few years. They've put a ton of draft capital into it, um, and they're returning four out of their five starters. And, and if you've been reading about offensive line, there's been some good studies about it this offseason. Um, you know, the, the, the takeaway is that continue, like uh, having a continuity in your offensive line is almost as important as talent because, you know, just going with the same guys over and over, you develop a chemistry where you could insert a great offensive lineman onto a team, 
but the offensive line works as a whole. So, you know, a, the great addition of one player doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to mesh well with everybody, especially not right off the bat. So, you know, it's good that the Lions are returning four out of their five starters. Uh, their fifth starter, Joe Dahl, has been on the team for years. They just extended him. He's going to transition into a starting role for the team. I think that, you know, just between opportunity and offensive line, I think Carrion gets the edge. I, well said. Yeah. But Carrion hasn't had 200 touches yet. He hasn't shown that he can do that, you know. I mean, that, that that's the one thing. It's, it's you know, Carrion missed six games in his rookie year. Is he injury prone? It's too inju- you know way too early to tell. I mean, I would obviously say no. Um, you know, Mixon has to contend with Geo for receptions. He's a great, great pass-catching back. But the Lions just uh, traded away, or not traded away, but they cut Theo, who has averaged 78 targets per year over four years. I mean, you know, Carrion already had, what, 32, yeah, 32 receptions in 10 games, and that was with Theo there. I mean, yeah. with an, an extra 78 targets in the backfield, I mean, Carrion... Not saying that he'll get all of those targets, but, I mean, he could get some. And I think that he's a legit contender for, you know, over 50, over 60 catches, maybe 70 as a ceiling. Yeah. Um, if he gets, I just I just think he has a lot more receiving upside than Mixon. If he gets, like, you know, 250-plus touches, like, say both of them get around the same amount of touches, I like on Johnson over Mixon. If we're just saying, like, yeah. if say we give him, like, a nice 280 for both of them. Mixon gets 280 touches. Carrion Johnson gets 280. I think Carrion Johnson would have the better stat line out of the two. 100%. 100%. All right. Um, no doubt. Sorry, yeah. Zinger. Sorry, Zinger. Um, you know. Clown of the week. Just uh, <laughs> clown of the week. All right. Um, nice, nice pod, boys. I think, uh, you know. That, that's another one in the books, and uh, we will be back as we are every single Friday. Uh, we got one more episode next week. We will um, announce our slate of content. Uh, you know, I know Joey's got some stuff in the works. I've got some stuff in the works. We're going to be uh, announcing that next week on our podcast. You'll be able to see uh, what we're all going to be doing throughout the season to help you guys sail to the money. Uh, we're going to take you on this journey with us as we sail to the money. Because yeah. let me tell you, we are sailing to the money. It's happening. I'm okay, jet skiing so, to the money. I'm not sailing. I'm <laughs> Damn, he said these sails too slow. He on that jet ski. I'm on that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get in that submarine. You know, get some turbo. We going all the way to that money. Um, I don't know why the money's always in water. Uh, we could figure that out another time. But um, you know, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, again, my name is Ben Hover. You can follow me at Ben Hover. B E N H A U V E R. Guys, you want to tell them where they can find you? Find me on Twitter at Joey Carrion. Uh, same thing with every other social media. And you can find me at Jared underscore underscore Marcus on Twitter. All right, guys. We will see you in uh, approximately one week. We are 13 days away from NFL kickoff where we will see Jared's two favorite teams open up the season. (laughs) Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. We'll see you guys then.